Welcome to Get Hired in Cybersecurity with your host, Io Adiojo. Make sure to follow me on LinkedIn for more tips and advice, and feel free to message me if you need more information on how to get into cyber. I'd love to help you on your journey, and I do offer one-on-one services and coaching. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Get Hired in Cybersecurity. Today, we have a returning guest, Kim Steven. One of the first guests on the podcast great, gave great advice, and I'm glad to have her back on. She's a cyber recruiter, uh, over 20 years of experience, and I'm glad to have her on the show again. Kim, how are you? I'm great. So glad to be back as a returning guest. Very, yeah. ex- very excited about what we have to talk about today. So hopefully you folks listening will be able to get some great content and information out of this. Excellent. Yeah. Last time we spoke, um, we we definitely hit on a lot of key points and a lot has happened since then in in the cyber world. Right. It's almost like uh, a a day is a month in the cyberspace. Anything could happen. And I'm definitely excited to talk about the changes and what you've seen and also kind of what our listeners can gain again from the differences between when we last spoke till now. Absolutely. And um, the market has definitely heated up since we've talked last. Um, I'm hoping that all of the pandemic and, you know, how we are conducting business and moving forward and all the restrictions are getting behind us so we can kind of go back to some type of a normalcy. Uh, But the market is stronger than ever. Um, Candidates, Um, and hiring managers and companies are still in need and candidates are still in high demand as long as you have the experience. But again, we're here to really focus on all the people that are trying to get into the space and um, all of the challenges and roadblocks that they're running into. Um, I'm still getting messages from our previous or original podcast. So um, we're at least making some impact, Aya, which is really exciting to me. But um, again, we're here to really just help, you know, all the folks that are trying to break into the space, which is still challenging. We still have so much work to do in order to change the mindset of companies, but also looking at viable programs in boot camps and training programs and certification programs that can really bring some relevant experience to help all of you folks that are trying to get into the space and be more successful coming in. Perfect, perfect. I guess to, to start off, um, so you said that the you know the current market's heating up. Um, from your experience, or from what you've experienced so far, uh, where what what areas is that in, and um, how does that differ from? I know a lot of new newbies or new candidates are hearing that there's such a high demand, there's such a high demand, but on the ground they're having a tough time even getting interviews. Right, right. Um, from a technical perspective, I think that. The more hands-on technical you are in whatever it is that you're doing, the better. Um, But right now, there's a high demand for um, incident response because there's so much ransomware going on right now. Um, Lots of audit and compliance, um, analytics, um, anything with AI, anything that is um, um, the Internet of Things, um, connected, anything that's connected to the internet, firewall, intrusion detection, application security, um, secure DevOps or Dev Secure Ops, however you want to call that, along with pen testing and malware prevention. So again, it's it's covering all gamuts of it, IO. It's it's really hard to say which market is the hottest because I think there's just such a huge demand right now in 
all areas of cybersecurity, which makes this industry so interesting and so appealing to so many people because there are so many different avenues that you can decide. But, you know, I talk to a lot of people that just don't know what I want to do. I just don't want to get into cyber. And I think everybody that has that interest really has to delve deep and understand what it is that interest them and why because i think at the end of the day is is really the root causes the why why do you want to get into the space what's interesting to you and then how do you expand out on that and if you don't know um you have to evaluate on what you're good at um if you're really good at investigations or just the curiosity of it um, do some homework and again you don't have to run and get a certification and pay money for something you make youtube your friend make google your friend and look into some free courses like cyber youtube and um, even mit has a program on youtube that you can you know, all of their classes are free um, online so you could take some of those courses and look what's really interesting to you because you may think that something is interesting until you actually do it and then you know i'd rather you do it on your free time where you haven't invested any money instead of invested several thousand dollars into something that you don't want to do after you've done the homework on it that's very true yeah i think a lot of people now are really trying to follow what's hot um, and, and keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, on, on what's uh, what's the, the hip new thing in, in cyber. Um, at a point, you know, I think from what I'm seeing, like pen testing is still a buzz for for, for people who want to get in, but for the most part, it's not for everybody. Um, it's, a, it's a unique skill set. Um, also, like how you touched upon, why do you want to get in? And any why is fine, but it, it really has to be uh, defined. For, for me, for example, um, I saw that there was a demand back in 2016 and I saw that, okay, by 2020, it's going to be a big problem and it, everything aligned. Uh, I want a stability. So it's definitely, it definitely helps because it's a tough, it's tough content to digest if um, you're not committed. Uh, it's it's going to take hours of hard work to get through it. So you might find free courses, but you're going to pay either way by your time or, or by money. So there's definitely a cost to get in, um, especially given how much people want to get in at the moment. I wanted to ask you, so with the current market heating up, that definitely might lead to bidding wars for experienced hires. Um, where does that leave companies that really can't um, afford uh, to, to bid out, you know, the Googles or the the Amazons of the world that are really just ready to to, to um, take on this top talent. Where does that leave you know those that don't have that budget for their security? You know, or, I you know I have that that is a fantastic question because that is a challenge that I and discussions that I have every day with hiring managers and companies um, and you know, and, and projects that I'm working on as well, because um, we might not have the best value proposition in money, but maybe we have to understand, and I try to get this from all hiring managers, what makes you, what makes this team, what makes this role so great that you could beat out a Google and an AWS or a Facebook or an Apple. Um, so I try to get that from the, the hiring manager that's actually looking for the for that person. Um, and it's also really understanding your candidate 
as well. Understanding their motivation. Why are you looking to make a move? Um, what really motivates you? You know, what drives you? You know, are you looking for a career, you know, progression? Are you just looking for a job, which is, you know, a J-O-B? Are you looking because you want, you know, work-life flexibility? What is that? Because, you know, working at these unicorn companies sometimes aren't everything that you think it is because they're a unicorn company for a reason. So be prepared that you're going to have to make a lifestyle change and that is working a lot of hours um, and they may sell you because it is a great company because they've been deemed as a unicorn they have all of these rsus or these stocks but the work-life balance is not there or they may not be really great about hey we're going to get you in high but you're never going to get a pay increase until you leave because we, we brought you in so with so much money that you're not getting a pay increase so there's a lot of things to evaluate um, when looking at companies, but it shouldn't be just about the money. It's really understanding what the company is and what it's all about. Do you want to go work for a big company and be a number or be a cog in the wheel? Or do you want to actually come in and make some real impact? Or if you are working for a big company, what does that project look like? What does that project work look like? What are the areas of responsibilities that you're going to be um, responsible for doing? And again, it's got to correlate and match up to what you're looking for at the end of the day. Excellent. Yeah, that's a great point you, you bring up about um, from, from the outside looking in, uh, you, you would think that, you know, people have have gotten internships or, or got a taste of working at these big companies. Um, I even had somebody reach out to me and say, like, the company you work at, it's it's uh, it's my dream company. And I'm like, how is it your dream company? Like, you've never worked here or like, how, what, are you, what are you talking about? Like a, like a dream, a, a dream item, a dream car, like you, you've had to have experienced it a bit or know a lot about it to, to let, literally have it be a dream. Um, and I'm noticing that um, there's there seems to be this this status with with those jobs, but it's I guess that's another another point. But the key, like you said as well, working at smaller companies, it exposes you to more mm-hmm. learn, learning opportunities. Absolutely, um, and and again, I, you know, I'm working with companies that can't pay all of the money that the big companies are giving. So you have to understand, okay, what are some other great values of the company what what are some great benefit you know what 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 is your benefit strategy what is your overall value proposition but then if we can't meet there then we have to have a reality check with the hiring team and with with hr of look you're never going to get this talent based on this job description because you have a cadillac version of a job description but you have really a vintage beetle sitting in, you know, some, you know, you're sitting somewhere that can't even run. That's your budget. So you, you're going to have to meet somewhere in the middle where, hey, if we can't find this, then what are you willing to give up and what are you going to be OK with? Um, I, I really don't like to have those conversations, but some of them are you know, just absolutely necessary because this is that we're, we're living in a crazy market right now. It, it's it's I think I would say it's just as competitive as it was pre-pandemic because it, the, the market back then was insane. It was completely insane back then too. Um, we're, we're getting back there, if not past that, but 
um, again, we have to understand that or people need to understand, you know, what those requirements are and being realistic about what you can get, but also knowing the position well enough as a recruiter or as an HR representative and being able to sell that to the candidate, but also giving the candidate and not treating them like a transit like a transaction and treating them like a human being and helping understand why are they looking what are they looking for and can this specific job that you're trying to present to them is a fit because if it's not a fit then just don't go there just don't but again that's more for the experience level person but you know even for more of a junior candidate like you said I we're living in a this is my dream job because we've been sold something that we know nothing about um, in a lot of ways and you know again maybe having that brand is definitely going to help you and I completely understand from that perspective as well but you're 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 missing out on all of these other opportunities that you could gain such great experience from and maybe getting you to the point where you could get into that dream job. But okay, why is it a dream job? Like you said. Definitely. Yeah. Well said. Well said, Kim. Um, I wanted to touch on one, uh, one thing. If you didn't see it, it's fine. Did you see that tweet that that recruiter sent out? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> that was so, that was so bad. And I totally, I think her name was Mercedes and I feel, I feel for her because I know she wasn't, she didn't make that tweet to be ugly about it. She was just trying to be very matter of factly, but it was perceived in so many ways so wrong but then I understand because I've been doing this for so long. Look, lady, I get it, but this is not a platform where you could you should voice that, especially if you're attached to the company that you're representing, because that does nothing but leave such a bad taste in other people's mouths about the company. Um, <clears throat> but um, it, my heart just hurt for that person that that sent out that tweet. Um, because that's our job. Yeah, if, I know we don't have time, but we work with people. Most of them don't know what the market's paying. Most people, especially, and, and this is people all over the place, they don't understand their value or they are overinflated because they have a, um, a an incorrect sense of their value too. Um, I want... Every person that I work with, if I get to put them in front of a company, I want them to feel valued when they get join the company, regardless if I work there or not, if I'm representing them or if I'm working there. I want them to feel valued. I want them to be paid what they should be getting paid, not what they asked for. Because, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, HR companies have a budget. And yes, we all want to save money from a business perspective, but you have to look at the big picture. You have to look at the entire team, where are their salaries at? Is it fair to bring in somebody regardless if they are a diversity company, a diversity individual or not? Should we bring them in at, you know, tens of $20,000 less than what everybody else, else is getting paid? Or should we bring that person in because they meet a certain you know, checkbox and pay them, you know, 10, 20, $30,000 more. I think it should be fair across the board, but 
you know, we're there as a recruiter and as an HR representative or whatever to really coach with that candidate. If I, again, I've been doing this for so long that I can have that conversation and say, look, this is what the, what, this is the role, this is the role and this is what they're going to be able to pay. And um, yes, we're told by everybody, don't tell anybody the compensation. Um, I try to take that on a case-by-case basis. Um, I'm not going to take the company's money and try to get as much money as I can or get the placement or whatever because I feel like it's a right because, again, I'm a used car salesman. I don't look at it that way. I want to look at it from the candidate's perspective. Look, if this person has all of the requirements and this is what the salary range is, then this is what the person should be paid regardless of what they ask for. So, again, I want to treat people like I want to be treated. And if I am undervaluing myself, then I would hope that the other person, that the professional that I'm working with would have my back and be able to say, you know what, Kim, you're not worth that money. You're worth so much more because that's what the market's paying. And that's what the whole team is getting paid instead of, nope, sorry. You're going to, you ask for 85,000, we're going to only give you 85,000, even though the role pays 130. That doesn't do anything because that person is not going to stay. Person, why would that person stay? Because they will eventually find out that they're getting paid 50 to $60,000 less than everybody else. And how in the world is that fair? How is it fair? So it, it brought out a lot of emotion when I read that and it kept being retweeted and, you know, shown on LinkedIn, shown on Facebook over and over. And I, I feel for that person because she has probably ruined her career by making that, you know, that bland, not bland, but it's just that flat statement. And, you know, she, she ended up losing her job. You know, the company saw that and said, you're out, you're gone. Um, she was trying to be honest and she was trying to be truthful and tell people know your worth and know how to negotiate. And some people don't know how to negotiate. I know lots of people that are, you know, 20 years into their career and they still don't know how to negotiate. And then I know people that are five years into their career and they know how to negotiate way out of their salary. (laughs) Like, you know, I only have five years of experience, but I want, you know, I want, you know, $200,000 and that doesn't work either. It, It just doesn't. Um, I think working with the recruiter, we should be there to kind of walk you through the process and help you and be your guide. Um, but all of those other areas, it just doesn't work. Totally. I understand. And and there seems to be uh, an idea of, of salary ranges, right? That's marketed in the cybersecurity industry that we're all making over 150K and that we're so coveted and in demand, which is not completely false, but there's a bigger picture here. Uh, my question to you is for aspiring cybersecurity candidates, what can they do to better negotiate their salaries and not get the short end of the stick, uh, so to speak? Um, I think the best thing to do is first and foremost, you know, we're out of stage right now where nobody should be asking you, what are you making? Everybody should be asking, what are your salary expectations? Um, we do expect the candidate to have a bit of an understanding of what the market's paying. Um, Sometimes they're a little high, sometimes they're a little low. Um, What I try to do when I talk to candidates is get to know them. They eventually will reveal to me something that's really close to their expectations. Um, And then I will usually tell them, hey, you know what? 
this role pays a little more here. Let me see how, let me, let me see if we can get you there. But I always preface it with based on how well you interview. If you go in there and you knock it out of the park and everybody says, heck to the yes, let's hire you, then it's easy to ask for more money. Um, I always try to set the expectation of, hey, this person's looking for a range of this to this. They're negotiable um, and try to include that number. But if they are, if they're asking for way too much money, I always ask them, can you tell me how you got to that number? So. Don't be afraid to say, I'm not really sure. Just say, you know what, I'm looking for this. I'm not sure what the pay range is because right now there is really no market. The market is all over the place and it doesn't matter where you live um, right now because the regions are, are starting to be open because everybody's working remote, but there are still companies that are tied to where you live. And you know they're they're looking at what kind of cost center that you're going to be based out of based on where you live. I think that um, in the next few years that's going to definitely change. But don't be afraid to tell the recruiter who you're working with this. You know what I'm I I think that I'm you know I'm I'm looking for this, but again I'm very open or I'm not really sure because I would really like to be compensated what the market's pay, being paid right now. Um, you can always flip it and say you know what, I'm not really sure. Can you give me an idea of what the pay range is? I mean, it's, it is a very, very delicate um, conversation to have because some recruiters are hardcore. They will not tell you because they've been instructed, do not tell the candidate what the compensation is. I, I, I don't think that's really a, I don't think that really creates a good rapport with the person because you've got to provide some level of transparency. Um, <clears throat> but from the other perspective, um, you also want to make sure that you're getting as much money as you can. But being a new person, I think there's a little bit more of a limitation as opposed to someone that has three, five, you know, 10 years of experience. They should have an idea. And again, some companies are paying a lot of money for levels of experience. So it's, it's you know, that's such an open-ended question Io, that I don't really have a direct answer for i'm so sorry and i know listeners are going to be thinking okay i don't know how to answer that now oh, no, no problem at all it's it's definitely a different market and it, it is hard to answer because of the times we're in um one thing i wanted to touch on too was um what you've seen um with new candidates that you think they can improve on from from last time we spoke well um as we discussed before um i, I am seeing a little bit <clears throat> um of no, I, I don't want to call it a trend, but I will say that um, specifically for folks that are trying to get into the space, if you've gotten a degree, if you've gotten some certifications, um, I've seen about a half a dozen LinkedIn profiles that have SME, which stands for subject matter expert or I'm an evangelist. Um, that's not accurate. Um, I, I, I don't know the most delicate way to say excuse me, um, take that off your profile because you cannot be a subject matter expert in anything if you haven't worked in an enterprise environment. Um, if you haven't actually done it at a job and been paid for it, you're not a subject matter expert, even though you might have 20 certifications. The certifications are very different from the actual work. You've got to gain that. To give you an example, I've been in recruiting for 20 years. I don't consider myself an SME. I don't. I think I know I'm pretty good at what I do, but I know there's other people out there that 
have 10 years of experience and they're 10 times better than I am. So I, I don't think that putting out as an SME or being an evangelist, um, I, I just don't think that that's a, a good thing to put on your profile if you are trying to get into the space. Um, another thing is if you are looking and if you do have some experience, um, <clears throat> I've also seen this and this is all levels of experience. If you have any experience, please put that in your profile because I, I've been seeing now people that are open to work or they are very, you know, being very, very public on, hey, I'm looking for a, my next job, but they just have their employer, their tenure and their title. I have no idea what you did at that job. And even though their titles may be same with all, you know, with different companies, they're still tasked at doing different things. So some people say I'm a SOC analyst. Okay, well, what does that mean at this company? What, what, what does that really mean? Because SOC analysts could be a myriad of different things. I know SOC analysts that do, you know, you know, some application security stuff. They do some coding and crypt, scripting stuff. And then I see other people that are doing just incident response, but they're called a SOC analyst. So <clears throat> have a description, a short description in your LinkedIn profile on what it is that you do instead of just your job, you know, your employer's name, your tenure and your title. And again, I'm seeing that at all different titles and it's very confusing for us recruiters that are trying to reach out to you because we don't know what you're doing. We, we don't have any idea. And I see a lot of profiles that have that and there's absolutely no content about what their experience is around. So you may be missing out on potential opportunities because you don't have any of that content. Because again, I cannot stress to all of you enough, recruiters live and die in LinkedIn we, we don't want to use anything outside of that, especially people that are coming into the space now as recruiters. Um, you know, some companies don't offer DICE access or Indeed or um, I think it's Monster and Career Builder. They don't pay for that. All they do is they give you a LinkedIn recruiter seat and that's all you have. So if you don't have anything, any type of content or any type of details in your LinkedIn profile and we're, and we're supposed to reach out to you, we don't know what you do, so we're not going to reach out to you. I, I don't have the time to send, and I don't like sending out a hundred messages to fill one role and in hopes that, hey, I'm going to take a chance and see if you meet this because that just makes people angry and upset too when it's like, I don't even do that. And, you know, I'm, I'm a marketing person and you're sending me you know, a message to be an engineer. I mean, I still get messages too that way. So again, make sure that you have your LinkedIn profile with all the details in there, along with all of your personal projects too. You know, don't just include your certifications and your education. Make sure that you're also including personal projects that you're working on that, hey, you're preparing for a certification or you're looking and um, you have an interest in the certification, so you're studying for it. Show that stuff. I, I can't, I, I mean, I've asked so many um, candidates to do that and they still don't do it after I talk to them. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's definitely, a, you know, great insights on, you know, how you have to have your LinkedIn profile uh, up to date, like you said. Um, so uh, we're, we're, I guess um, what else could, could uh, you know, someone do on LinkedIn to, to stick out to um, recruiters um, make sure that you do have an updated photograph and it's professional um, 
that does help um, because we we like to know your face. We, we like to know the people that we're talking to and what they look like um, instead of just guessing. Um, there are some people that just, okay, well, this is where I graduated from or, hey, here's a picture of my dog or here's a picture of a sunset. Um, we have to look at this as a true professional so, you know, networking um, website instead of just a Facebook and connect with people. I see so many people that have less than 500 connections. Connect. If you want to get into the cyberspace, connect with people. You have to connect with them. You have to start building your network, but also there's some really great people that you can connect and just read their content. And if they don't want to connect you with you, just follow them. Um, because again, if you have less than two or 300 um connections then when i reach out to you it's like is this person even going to reach out to me are they even on because statistics show that the typical linkedin user only logs in for 15 minutes a week maybe that's increased in the past year um but you know we as recruiters have a small window of time so put your content out there make sure that you have your open to work or hey i'm looking for this job if you're a u.s citizen or a green card holder um make that in there if you require an h1b or if you're an ead or what have you put that on there too because that helps there's lots of companies that will offer the um, h1b visa and there's a lot of other companies that just won't they just they just don't have the budget for that so make sure you have those details if you're interested in getting in a specific area of space within the cyberspace then put that on there too like hey i'm looking for a pen test role um, i have seen an uptick on people's you know posting on their um, linkedin i'm looking for um, you know an internship in summer of 2022 that is very very helpful that tells me okay I, I i'm not working on any campus level roles but any campus level recruiter will will see that and they'll you know they'll they'll reach out to that person because they know they're looking for those and that also is an addition to their boolean search as well so make sure that you put that kind of stuff in so we can also um it strengthens our boolean search and you end up landing on you know with within the search once oh, they excellent. push that so, out so you can even search um, search people based on like what they post even and and see yeah, well, not on, on not on their post, but if you put it in your profile, then we can do that. I mean, we will put in things like if we're looking for if I'm looking for specific you know universities, or if I'm looking for you know if I have a company that's only looking for women or any type of diversity at all, then I will pull up those universities or I'll we'll pull up you know diversity programs or women-based programs and put them in my bullion search if um, if I'm looking for a campus level person and say hey I'm looking for someone that's looking for an internship we put internship and that will definitely pull up in the search so again if you don't put any content it's not going to help us find you so that's why I say don't be afraid to put stuff in there now, if you're a campus level person or not a campus, but a new hire and you don't have a lot of work experience and you send over a resume, it shouldn't be longer than two pages. It should be maybe one page. Um, but again, don't be afraid to put that stuff on your LinkedIn profile. But again, make sure that your resume matches with your LinkedIn profile. And when I say that I'm referring to your university and your employment, I still am seeing resumes that I may pull off online and they don't match the LinkedIn profile. And I don't understand why. I don't understand why you're trying to look like two different people. 
<laughs> but I still, but I still see that it's crazy. Um, but you know, you know I, again, I, I, you know, this is a tough space to get into and look for programs, look for somebody that is going to, you know, be a coach and mentor to you. Um, reach out to me, um, send me a message. Please don't send me, hey, I'm looking for a job here. I can't help you because I don't have any clients that are gonna pay me to find entry-level people, or I'm not working on any roles that are gonna say, hey, look, this is entry-level. Um, but if, let you know, create some dialogue. Hey, I'm really interested in this, can you help me? Where should I go? I'm happy to, again, it may take me a couple of days because the messaging platform is just horrible on LinkedIn. Sorry, LinkedIn, if you're listening, but it is. You've got to fix that. Um, we've got to be able to index and organize that stuff. But, um, you know, send out messages. Don't be afraid to ask. I'm, I'm happy if I have the time to sit there and at least send over some information to you. But utilize utilize LinkedIn. It is one of the best tools out there to make money, to network with people, to meet people. Don't be afraid to do that. Even if you're an introvert or an extrovert, you're still, it's, it's, it's still part of the deal. And, you know, there have been other discussions. Look, this is a lifestyle. Just because you got the cert, just because you got the degree doesn't mean you stop learning. You have to continue to learn. You're going to be learning for the rest of your life. You're, you're going to because this stuff changes every day. We are we all have a really important job in this space, and that is to save data, saving and protecting data, saving and protecting people, companies, people's lives. Even this is never going to stop. So you have to understand, and you have to have that appetite for learning because you're not going to be successful and you're not going to be able to keep your job and unless you just keep you know you have that appetite for learning too well said yeah i, I definitely agree that it, it never really ends um you know after getting a degree or or a cert um there's always something new to learn um there's always there was, there's always more um so to speak so um i, I guess uh, we're, we're running off on time but is there anything else you'd want to you know say to listeners um, first and foremost, I, I think just thanks for coming back and listening um, and listening to a crazy lady rant for 20 minutes. Um, so thank you for that. Um, I love being in this space. I've been doing it for 10 years um, and I continue to learn. I continue to learn from everybody. And I think, you know, the big thing is be kind to each other, be patient. This is hard. This is going to be a commitment that you're going to have to take. That's why you have to understand the whys. Why are you wanting to get into the space? Um, stay determined, continue and just collaborate. Don't be afraid to be collaborative um, and reach out to people. And that's going to you know, put most people in you know, a place where it's very uncomfortable. But that's how you grow is to put yourself in those challenging areas where you don't know a lot of stuff and you're moving forward to be a better person, but also to get seen and known because a lot of these jobs, um, they're being filled by people that know each other because they were a coach and mentor to somebody like, hey, I work with this person, I can speak for this person. And that holds a lot of weight 
than a bunch of certifications. Now, again, I'm not going to continue to take ba- talk bad on the certs because those are very, very important too. That's where most of us gatekeepers that don't know the space are looking for, hey, you've got to have all of these certs. But again, all of these certs don't make sense with, hey, we're looking for a junior or an entry level person. You have to have all these certs and they don't make sense. So um, I think really just be diligent, be passionate about your learning, stay determined, um, continue to collaborate and just be kind to each other. That this We're in crazy times right now, just all around. And I think it's just, you know, you don't ever know the person that you're speaking to may end up being your boss, may end up being a peer, may end up being somebody that you may end up paying forward and helping, or they may, you know, get to pay forward and they're going to help you. You just don't know. Excellent. Yeah, well, well said. Well said, Kim. And um, I definitely agree that networking is, is in my opinion, <laughs> the most important thing, it, uh, especially when you're entry level to get in. Um, and it's how I got my first job too. just just uh, networking. And it, it's, it's invaluable. It's mm-hmm. invaluable. It is that that's how I've gotten a lot of my opportunities too, along with, you know, getting to work with some really fantastic companies. It's it's that networking and it's who, you know, um, and a lot of people don't really understand that, especially coming into business. Um, a lot of universities are even telling um, students don't connect with people you don't know that that is the most opposite thing you should do. Connect with every well-known person in that space, find out who those people are and and connect with them. Again, if they don't accept your connection, then follow them. Read the stuff that they have to offer on their wall. There's so many great people out there that are talking about it daily on what you should do if you want to get in the space. And all of them are saying the same thing. And that is, don't give up. It's hard. It's a problem that we have in the space that we're trying to work through. But if you continue to be diligent and determined, you're going to end up landing there. It may take a little longer than expected, but it's again it's 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 going to pay off after you get in perfect perfect thank you so much for your time again uh, kim and yeah hope to have you back on again soon absolutely thanks again io and thanks everyone for listening